day, what a day. Welcome to the JT The Brick Show. You know, when you put the silver and black uniform on, you get such a surge of energy. It's time for the JT The Brick Show. And a lot of football players around the country that want to wear that silver and black. JT The Brick. When you talk about the Raiders, everyone knows you talk about the Raiders. On Raider Nation Radio, 920 AM. Here's your host, JT The Brick. JT, welcome to the show here on a Friday, a quick Friday, a one-hour show. As I was called in out of the bullpen to host the Silver and Black Show with Lincoln Kennedy over at the Raiders facility in Henderson. So I'm sitting in for Aaron Coscarelli. If you get a chance to watch that show every week, I'll be hosting it for the second week. And she'll be back this Sunday looking forward to seeing Aaron again at the game. Wild week. We all know what happened this week. Very intense week. Probably the most difficult week we've ever had or ever will have on Raider Nation Radio. Thanks to all our teammates Everyone behind the scenes after the coaching change, John Gruden's resignation, all of the interviews, all the conversations, all of the phone calls, we greatly appreciate your support here. It was tough. It was tough more on the players and the coaches and the staffs than it was on a lot of people here on radio, but we understand that we're all involved together. This is Raider Nation Radio, and Raider Nation had a lot on its mind this week. The Raiders were in the news more than any team in all of sports. And the Raiders got to come out of this now and play some football. From being at practice this week to seeing what's happening to knowing and hearing from you, the great fans of the Raider Nation, a lot of people have had a lot on their mind this week. And I thank you in advance But as we begin the show here for all your support. This was a weekend where, a week where we needed your support. We needed everybody to listen, download the show, stream it, and be there for us as we're there for you. And a big chapter in Raider history. A really big media chapter is ongoing, and it started off last Friday. It went through the game last Sunday. It got really big on Monday, and then everybody in the Raider Nation took over, and the fans tried to bring this all together. So, again, I really appreciate that. I sincerely appreciate the fact that you've been here this week and what it means to me with all the content that we're trying to provide for you. So I had an opportunity to sit down with the new head coach of the Silver and Black Rich Pasaccia, and I only met him a few times, a few times in a social setting and the times that I've been on the road, which has been rare since COVID or at the stadium, but mostly at practice. And I'm excited for the opportunity that he's going to have. He didn't expect it to happen this way. It happened this way. I think he was groomed for this opportunity eventually, and he's going to lead the Raiders from here on out. So as I said, as we open up the show here, it's only an hour before I head over to the TV side here, but I want to get behind this coach. I want everybody to get behind this coach, especially in a rivalry game right out of the gate against the Denver Broncos and what this game is going to mean. So on Thursday, yesterday, I headed out to the facility and waited for the coach, and the coach came in with Will Kiss from Media Relations, who do such a great job, and this was my conversation with the new head coach of the Silver and Black. Coach, welcome in, and let's begin. I want to talk about your long career as a coach and assistant head coach, which to me is fascinating. You've been preparing for this type of opportunity as assistant head coach along the way. How does that help you with this position now? Uh, yeah, I think, you know, certainly um, preparation is, is um, key to any business success and, and that regards of what you do. And I've been fortunate to be with some in- incredible coaches along the way, not only 19 years in college, but certainly now my time in the NFL from um, starting with, you know, obviously Coach Goo back in Tampa and then getting to go be with Norv Turner for me was 
incredible um, experience over there in San Diego. And then being with Jason for five years, um, a guy that had been with us as a player in Tampa, and then getting to work with him and, and uh, then coming back to here. So not to mention the, the assistant coaches I've had a chance to be with, you know, all the way from Monty Kiffin to Bill Muir and, and um, now Matt Eberflus, who's over there in Indy, and, and then certainly Coach Marinelli, you know. And, and Gus and I have been together before, and Coach Ole and I have been together before, and now I have a chance to be with, you know, Coach Cable and, and, uh, and Edgar and Ron Miles and Richard Smith. And so I've had really good fortune in, in coaching, and, and um, I'd be remiss not to, to mention David Cutcliffe, you know, who – Famous name because of the Mannings, and but um, he's had an influence not only on, on him as players, but look at his his coaching tree as well, guys that have come through him. You know, we've had a few days, but what has it been like overseeing these position groups and these coaches now at the end of the day, the beginning of the day in this new role? Yeah, o- oversee, interesting. Um, it, it was so good to get to practice yesterday. And, uh, you know, I, I think we try, all of us as coaches and players, never to lose the awe factor of what we get to do you know, um, to actually go out on the field and practice or play football. And then, you know, Gus, Gus has the keys to what we're trying to do on, on defense. And, and Ole and, and Coach Caves and, and those guys have the keys to what we're trying to do on, on offense. And I'm going to try to do the best I can with Byron to manage our, our teams. And collectively, we're, you know, we're going to put a product on the field that hopefully uh, Raider Nation can be proud of. So These hours are amazing. And you know this your whole career. How does that change for you now as a head coach in the NFL? The hours you get here in the morning, you stay late. I mean, this is a lot of time, a lot of preparation as a head coach. Does that change much for you? Well, um, you know, we we all talk about, you know, work and hours and all that. I'm an early guy and we stay till we're done. You know, we're all a little bit different that way. So, but hours much haven't you, you put the time in you need to get your job done, and when your job's done, you, you go home. You don't really think much about it. We all, we all have the same uh, sacrifice, if you will, during the season. We, we, have, a, we have great summers and great yeah. off-seasons, but you know, when you're in season, it's, it's a, um, uh, diligence to task, right? And uh, I don't think anybody really thinks about the hours as being a real job. You know, we've had a chance to do this for a long time. I don't know if I've worked for about 38 years. You know. Your coaching style, have you thought about that yet? You mentioned all these great coaches, and I'm sure a lot of people are asking you, what will your style be, especially with all these years and all the hard hours you put in? Yeah, that's, you know, I, I've been asked that question so many times, and I seem to always get it wrong. And um, it's almost better someone else talks about yeah. what you do or who you are. I've always found it problematic to talk about me or my style or myself or um, I, I just I, I'm a, a collective vision person, especially in football. I feel like um, if you took the singular approach, then that's just one idea could become a bad idea really fast. If we have a collective approach and you have a lot of ideas, you can probably narrow it down to the one that works best for all. So um, I, I guess that's a I don't really know if I answered the question. You answered it. Let's (laughs) jump into your coordinators. That's what I love about this staff. This is a great staff. So with Gus Bradley, he comes in. He puts his handprint on this defense. We've seen the defense have some big moments. But Greg Olson, Johnny Morton, the offensive minds on this team working together. You know, former head coaches and Tom Cable and Gus Bradley and how you'll lean on them with what they're planning to do with the game plan every week. Yeah, and and Coach Marinelli is a former head coach, you know, as well. So I think that the the exciting thing is – we have a tremendous amount of continuity, um, not only with that particular part, but like Gus with his staff that he 
got to handpick and, and bring with them. They've been together a long time. And then Tim Burbank, who was with us in Tampa when, um, you know, we had a pretty good run over there with Coach Ole called the plays and, and uh, is still a part of that. And then Edgar Bennett's been an offensive coordinator before. And Richard Smith's been a defensive coordinator before to the Super Bowl. So to your point, again, I'm, here I am fortunate again to be around a tremendous amount of um, assistant coaches with no personal agenda, no particular um, ego of self. And so it, that part's been a lot of fun. I think that we all have a voice. Uh, we can all listen and learn from each other. And again, hopefully put a collective vision on the field together. Coach, after you met the media earlier this week, I thought it was incredible what your captain said. The players came in all on the same page. Clearly Denver, we'll get to Denver in a second. But how important is that leaning on these captains in your locker room? Derek was fantastic. You could tell he was highly emotional. We saw that from Darren Waller and your communication with your captains going forward. Oh, I'm excited about that part as well. But I think what the byproduct of those particular men that are our captains is they were voted on by their teammates. So that should tell you a lot about what the locker room is like as well, that those men were voted in by their peers. And uh, certainly not only are they capable um, speaking to the media and portraying what our locker room should look like, I also think they're really good players when they're on the grass. Let's move to Denver. Vic Fangio, this defense, just went up against Khalil Mack, so their front in Chicago was the strength. Here, it's the secondary of Denver, the most expensive in football. A lot of really good players, hard hitters and ball hawks. What do you see with the Denver defense? Yeah, you know, I've, I've known Coach Fangio a long time, you know, it's, and, and if you start talking about Denver, you're talking about the two V's, you know, Vic Fangio and, and Vaughn wow. Miller, you know, and, and uh, so it starts with them certainly on defense. He's a defensive head coach. He has a tremendous amount of experience as well. Um, they're a ball hawking team. They're punching at the ball all the time. They're playing, staying on top. They're playing the defense ball really well and we all know about the rush and what they're doing up front so and they've been some uh, doing some good things on offense I think they're very similar they started off 3-0 as well and they're just they hit a bump in the road in a different state and so this is a storied rivalry certainly in, in all of uh, pro football certainly in the AFC and um, always going up there is, is fun there's a lot of Denver dislikers of the Raiders right sure. I'm sure it goes the other way and the thing I, I'm again I love about rivalries you know I'm a big Yankee fan and some people hate the Red Sox me I love the Red Sox because without the Red Sox the Yankees have no rivalry so I love the opportunity to go play Denver and, and the other teams in our conference because that's what great rivalries are all about to have two teams that really enjoy playing against each other competing against each other and keeping the AFC rivalries alive. Coach, last one, the fans. What does the Raider Nation mean to you? Because they are yeah. gravitating to you. They understand this challenge for you. Here you go. You're starting off as the head coach. You feel like you have this fan base behind you because they're fired up to get you a win. Well, I, you know, my favorite place that I to play in when I, I was with the other teams was to, to go to the black hole. And, and everybody talks about, oh, it was a baseball field, and how can you – I just love to go out there on a crisp late afternoon in the fall or in the evening and to walk down and see the gorilla and see, uh, you know, the, the fans with the chains and the, um, you know, the Raider Nation is, is evident. And, you know, if I've gone through this past summer, I've been with the Raiders now four years and I'm in St. Augustine or I'm in someplace afar and I got a Raider shirt on that people come up to you and go, go Raiders. You know, it's so um, I know the fan base of the Raiders are behind the players in the locker room. And that's what it's all about. Players make plays. They're the product we're all putting on the field. Those are the guys we come watch to play. And as long as the, the fan base stays behind the players, I see nothing but good things going forward. Good luck in Denver, Coach. Thank you very much. We'll need it. So I appreciate, Coach, giving me the time there. And that's new to him. It was new to me. Having that conversation with him, he gave us a lot. 
It wasn't more in the future. It'll be about X's and O's, and we'll really dive into the opponent. We got into the Denver Broncos there at the end. You could hear the respect that he has for Vic Fangio and everyone in Von Miller and that organization. But I think our first interview, we wanted to hear a little bit about him, learn a little bit about him. He's a big family guy, grandfather, his kids. Great. He just had a great life. He has a great life ongoing. And he's a man that's been all around the country working in football organizations all over the country, and he loves the Raiders. I mean, that is pretty cool. His love for the Raider Nation is really sincere. So thanks again to the coach, and I hope everybody enjoyed that and can get behind him, send out a tweet, you know, retweet the interview, find it at Raiders.com, and you know, tell your friends and fans about what he's about because we're going to learn more and more about him in more and more upcoming interviews here. And he was very good, very comfortable to talk to, a guy's guy. I know it bothers some people that we're both Yankee fans. My wife said, don't harp on that. I said, I won't. But I got to go to a Yankee game with this guy at some point. He's a diehard baseball fan. How about that baseball last night? Can you believe that game ended last night on a check swing that was a check swing? Called strike three on Flores. Scherzer comes in and closes that game. I think the Dodgers would have won anyway, two to one. But can you imagine? We got Giant fans listening to this show. How brutal is it when you have to go to every game or most of the games all year, you're the best team in the sport, two 109-win teams going at it, tied 1-1 going into the ninth inning. Cody Bellinger gets the game-winning hit, and the game ends on a check swing, and an umpire gets it wrong. You cannot get that call wrong. You cannot to decide a series In the fifth game, the deciding game, if you're the first base ump behind the first base bag and the home plate ump points to you, you don't say anything. You cannot end the home team's game in their ballpark that way. That was bogus. I took call after call last night on my night show about that. That is a gut punch. I don't know how you compare it in the NFL. You compare it to a penalty. A penalty that should have been called that wasn't called or a penalty that was called in your favor and you thought there should have been one, but the refs picked up the flag and it wasn't, whatever it is. Man, those Giant fans got to be freaking out again today. Not only did they lose on a real check swing that shouldn't have been called the strike, they lose to the Dodgers that way. Brutal. Uh, Dodgers advance. They'll take on Atlanta. And obviously here today we have the Red Sox and the Astros, uh, game one of the ALCS. So Lee Sterling's going to join us coming up here in a little bit. We'll talk to Lee. He's going to pick three games against the spread, one college, two NFL games. That's the rule. He's got to give three away for free. He's at Paramount Sports. He's going to join us coming up here in a little bit. And then we're going to get into what it's going to take for this coach to settle in and get a win in Denver. Uh, For those who are going to Denver, we took a couple calls this week. I think that's pretty cool if you're making the road trip. If you're not, come on down to see us at M Resort Spawn Casino. Eric Allen and I will be there. A little bit of a later start. I think the game's at, what, 125, 130? It's not one of those 105 games at the top of the hour. So I think we'll be on at 1130, right outside the Raiders Tavern and Grill. No excuse. you got plenty of time to plan for it. Coors Light put up a big Coors Light zone with all these TVs right next to our set with these reclining chairs and phone chargers. and It's wild right outside the Raiders Tavern and Grill. So we'll be there on Sunday as we kick off this hour. A big week. Not a great week. Emotional week. 
that I think brought this radio station together, me and my teammates on radio together. A lot of people worked around the clock to give you this news coverage. It felt more like a news week around here than it did a sports talk radio station. But, hey, now we're on to football and the Denver Broncos, and we'll get you more of the game plan coming up. Keep it here all day long on Raider Nation Radio, 920 a.m. As Raider fans in Vegas and all over the world who are streaming us know the importance of beating the Denver Broncos when we come back on Raider Nation Radio, 920 a.m. It was a lot, you know, to handle. I'll say it that way. <laughs> like, uh, y'all know me, man. I don't, I don't condone that kind of talk. I don't talk that way. My kids sure as heck will never talk that way, you know. And uh, it's hard because I love the man so much. Hey, beautiful Friday here as we continue on Raider Nation Radio, 920 a.m. JT with you. We want to thank all our friends over at Wahoo's Fish Taco. Head on out to their six locations here. In the valley here, the one on Easton with the second deck. We always talk about that one. My buddy runs it. It's the second deck. Todd and the crew there have that view back of the strip all the way from Henderson with live music, great food, gaming. Everybody's enjoying that location. So come check me out over at Wahoo's Fish Taco Eastern. I'll be there over the weekend with my buddies watching some college football on Saturday. Speaking of that, Lee Sterling comes up here in a little bit we like to bring you the gaming insight heading into the weekend here if you're betting on football we bring you lee sterling every week mike north jeff sherman every other week the sports book directors and that's what we're doing quick update on the raider game at denver as we take a look at the moving lines here on a friday a lot of people wondering about this game i really am interested in the number here because it shows what vegas is thinking about what happened with the coaching change out here. The line initially was Denver minus two and a half. Now it's Denver minus four. So what everybody that I talk to thinks one of two things are going to happen. The Raiders are going to show up and rally around what happened and win the game. Well, the Raiders are not going to show up, and they're going to be distracted. And I don't believe in the distraction. I was listening to radio this morning, and there was a guy that was sitting there just crushing the Raiders, almost hoping, almost hoping that the Raiders lose because it would add to the anger and the element of that radio show. If we're going to go down that road here in Vegas over the next nine weeks, ten weeks, whatever it is, I'm not going to participate in it. I'm going to cover the team week in and week out, look at every game, and try to break it down from the other side And in anticipation of the Raiders winning the game. We're not going to go into Monday, Tuesday saying worst-case scenario. I've done that before, not with me, but fans, every week saying that the Raiders can't win in a four or five win season. This is a three and two team. We'll wait and see what happens out here in Denver. We'll wait to see how Rich Bisaccia has the team ready to play. And then we'll have a lot of analysis coming up on Monday and next week heading into that Philadelphia game. As, he, as again, I keep mentioning Philadelphia played well against Tom Brady. I don't think they could have won the game, but they were in the game in the fourth quarter and they're physical. They're just as physical as the Bears. That will be the identical game the Raiders played against the Bears. Identical is what's going to happen with Philadelphia. Same type of game plan, same type of team. So get ready for that. A couple other games as we wait on Lee. Uh, He's supposed to talk about the Chargers in Baltimore coming up. 
We really need Baltimore to beat the Chargers. The Raiders beat Baltimore. Quality win. Baltimore needs to beat the Chargers at home. If the Chargers travel and play a 10 a.m. game on their body clock and beat Baltimore, uh, that's going to be a big-time deal here. Uh, I'm concerned about that game. That is the game that I'm really concerned about on a lot of fronts. I don't know what's going to happen in that game. Those are two very evenly matched teams. Very evenly matched teams. Anything could happen there. Justin Herbert can throw for 400 yards. They can win the game, and it would be a classic win for the Chargers. Or Baltimore can pick up where they did against Carson Wentz and Indy where that second half. Wow, that was one of the best second halves or fourth quarters you'll ever see by a quarterback. I'm talking ever. That's how great Lamar Jackson was. That's going to be a really good game. And then this Miami-Jacksonville game is really interesting because Jacksonville, that's their home game in London. Shad Khan, the owner, he wants to move the team to London. I don't care what anybody says. I spent a lot of time in Jacksonville. My in-laws live in St. Augustine. I know that market well. It's, it's, going, to really, it's going to be tough for football to work in Jacksonville. Not college football, where Georgia fans and Florida fans love it. But unless they have a winner in Jacksonville, it's not going to work. And Shad Khan loves that international money. Loves that international money and would love to be there. And then I picked last night on my SiriusXM show my upset special of the week that I'm going with. That's an upset win. A team that wins outright is Detroit. Detroit's been a good team this year. They played well in a lot of close games. And this is a game where they have to show up at home. They're getting three and a half points against Cincinnati. Joe Burrow had a throat issue. He had to go to the hospital. He looks to be healthy. And I think Detroit's playing with a lot of heart for Dan Campbell, who's their coach. And this coach is going to get them to play, and they're going to win some games. And Jared Goff better win this one. Jared Goff got punted from L.A. for Matthew Stafford. And he's got to start winning some games and proving to the fans in Detroit that he's the long-term solution here. So I'll go with Detroit over Cincinnati 26-24. I got Detroit winning at home. And let's see them get a win. That'll be my upset special for the week as we bring in Lee Sterling from Paramount Sports, my good friend, who joins us from gorgeous Miami where the weather is gorgeous here in Las Vegas. Getting a little bit colder, which I like there. Uh, Lee, let's jump in. You said Alabama was going to lose a game this year. Were you surprised it happened so quickly against Texas A&M? What a weekend last weekend. Texas A&M, I, I said that Alabama was going to lose a game this year. Just didn't think it was going to be to a backup quarterback. So that's what college football makes it so great. Absolutely. Let's start off with a college game because – Neither Georgia or Kentucky should overlook anybody, especially Georgia now with an Alabama loss to Georgia defense. I'm still wondering your opinion on their quarterback situation and what to expect. What's the upside at the quarterback situation? And Kentucky's been a great story this year. The line opened up Georgia minus 24.5. I see it anywhere from 21.5 to 23. With you here on the show, we'll play it minus 23.5 here. Tell us about this game, especially the Kentucky side. So the $64,000 question is, can anyone go toe-to-toe with Georgia? And right now at this time, I say no. Now things could change, injuries, but I, I don't think it matters who the quarterback is. It starts with the defense. I mean, Kentucky's getting the most out of their offense built around running back Chris Rodriguez, but the Bulldog defense has held five of six opponents under 100 rushing yards. Auburn has a pretty good rushing attack, held them to 46 yards here. So uh, on top of that, 
Kentucky on defense, I think they're really banged up. They've lost their top two defensive linemen, and that's how Georgia rolls. They like to pound the ball at you, then use play action with either one of their quarterbacks. I don't think it makes a difference who's a quarterback. And Mark Stoops, I think he realizes this is the best I can get. Trust me, he may not be personally talking to LSU or Miami, but his agent is here. I like Georgia. I think that Mark Stoops is going to be a little distracted. Bulldogs, big, 37-7. Yeah, it's a big number, and you have it there. You have Georgia winning big and covering the spread. Let's move over to the NFL, and I'm I'm really fascinated with Cleveland because Cleveland had an opportunity to beat the Chargers multiple times, and they weren't able to do it on the road. They had a lot of Cleveland fans who were in Los Angeles. Now Cleveland comes home, and what do they get, a break? No, they get the only undefeated team in football coming in. We'll play it right here at three. Uh, This game fascinates me because it's two guys who played at the same program, Kyler Murray and Baker Mayfield. They're friends. They know each other well. They both want to outperform each other in this game. You get three for playing at home. It looks like a dead-even game for me. Arizona at Cleveland total on this one right around 49.5.50. Well, now what we're finding out, Cleveland does have some weakness in their secondary. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, they're banged up there. They, in fact, they could be down for the top five cornerbacks, and you can't have that kind of uh, mismatch here versus the Arizona receivers led by DeAndre Hopkins. I mean, they got a slew of guys, and even their running backs out of the backfield do a good job here. Uh, they're protecting Kyler Murray for the best, the first time we've seen in a long time here. So, you know, Cleveland had their chance. They had the ball with a couple minutes to go. All they needed was one first down. They weren't aggressive. This is the new NFL. You've got to outscore your opponent here. And right now, I think Arizona can, and they're great as a road dog, 10-3-2 against the spread. I think uh, Kyler Murray's going to outdo Baker Mayfield here. Wrong team favorite. Arizona stays unbeaten, and the Dolphins, the 72 Dolphins, have to wait another week to pop that champagne. <laughs> I like Arizona 28-20. Oh, that's funny. I want to add on to that because you just reminded me and all of our listeners, and we forgot about that. When the 72 Dolphins do that, they immediately do it, right? As soon yeah, as it happens, right are they? you know these guys. Are they on a text exchange to their wives, call the other wives and get them all together? How does that work out? I'm not sure how it works out, but they always seem to get together whenever there's a big game. There's one team left, and uh, their timing is just right. I'm not saying they're the greatest team ever, but uh, you know they didn't lose a game. And people also forget they played the champion the AFC championship game at Pittsburgh. They did it on rotating yeah. divisions back in the day. So can't say that they ducked anyone, and they were lucky and got everyone at home. So a lot of Hall of Famers, and uh, they're, they're still going to end up being the only undefeated team for at least one more year. Lee Sterling, Paramount Sports. Go to ParamountSports.com. Please go to ParamountSports.com and see what Lee and his staff does every week to get you the best information, the sharpest angles going into this game. So pretty much an identical spread, same thing as Baltimore's favored by three at home, coming off that emotional comeback against Carson Wentz in Indianapolis. And I think the Chargers are playing as good as anybody out there. Chargers get a break, too. This isn't a cold-weather winter game. In Baltimore, the last I looked, this is a monster game. This is the best game of the weekend as we see two great young mobile quarterbacks, Herbert versus Lamar Jackson. I just don't know which defense is better. Baltimore minus three at home against the Chargers. How do you have it? Oh, I think the Chargers' defense is head and shoulders above Baltimore's. And Baltimore's got a lot of injuries on the back end also. So, I mean, the Chargers are loaded receiver. Um, they're getting some production out of their running backs. They're rotating three guys in there, uh, looking for the right situations. And they have a head coach, a rookie head coach, Brandon Staley, that 
I mean, he's got his team engaged. They are fired up. They love all the different looks that he's showing every week. Uh, and, and he's effective. He goes for it, you know, on fourth down once you're in the opponent's territory. So uh, they're a 56-yard field goal at the gun by Dallas's Greg Zerlin, away from being 5-0. and They play their best ball on the road, 8-3-1 and against the spread on the road here. And just think that Baltimore, with those injuries, the secondary and getting no production out of the running backs or receivers, I mean, it's Lamar Jackson and Mark Andrews' show. Uh, it's not going to be enough here. I love Derwin James guarding Andrews. That's going to be a great matchup. I like the Superchargers, 28-24. Wow, that's another big upset pick, Lee. I mean, the Chargers going cross-country on the road, beating Baltimore outright. Those are great picks you're giving us here. Lee Sterling at Paramount Sports. And the game of the week... Uh, Buffalo had no problem. What a bizarre game with the weather delay and what was happening with lightning in Kansas City. They were better before the delay. They were better after the delay. I'm interested to know how to get your game of the week because it looks like a classic letdown game. They went back for the AFC Championship game rematch. They won it. They put a lot of emotion into it. And now they got to find a way to stop a Tennessee team that can really run the ball, run it hard, as hard as any team out there. Uh, how do we get this game? It opened up Buffalo minus three and a half. Now it's Buffalo minus five at Tennessee. Yeah, overreaction possibly from the public uh, after that big win. And we're going to find out if Buffalo can stay rolling here. You know, or are we going to see maybe an upset here in Tennessee? Uh, last year they played during those COVID times, and they had to delay the game to a Tuesday night. So you want to get this great game, just call 800-400-9741. You want to hop on board. We don't call it October here. We call it Locktober. Three weeks left in October, just $247, ParamountSports.com. The great Lee Sterling, ParamountSports.com. Talk to you next week, Lee. Thank you. Thanks, JT. Thanks to Lee Sterling for joining us. Bet with your wallet, not with your head, as you take a look at all these games that are coming up here this weekend. College football has been a lot of fun. A lot of fun. My son went to the game at uh, the Cotton Bowl as Oklahoma came back, and he had a chance to storm the field. They didn't have to storm it. It's a neutral site. And him and his fraternity brothers got on the field and took pictures after Oklahoma won. And I'll be heading out to Oklahoma at the end of the month to see them play a really good game against, uh, I believe, Texas Tech, which is going to be fun there. So that's where we're at heading into the weekend. Uh, Coach Passaccia, the conversation, any opinion you have with the tight spot that he's in, you can jump on in on that and hit me up via Twitter. I'll be off the radio tonight. At JT the Brick, we got a lot going on on Facebook. At JT the Brick, and I dropped a new podcast with my podcast partner Looney, and we dropped that in there. And I think it's worth you listening. It's kind of a synopsis of what happened with Coach Gruden and the coaching change, and what I saw from a, I guess, a front row seat in the media. No one in the media that I know of had a closer look at what it was like to interview one head coach on a Thursday and interview the interim head coach on the following Thursday. And how, I wouldn't say difficult it was, just how surreal and different it was. And that's all up there if you find your podcast, JT and Looney. And then, again, everybody's still talking about the Giants and the Dodgers last night. You know, my wife grew up a Cubs fan. I'm a Yankee fan. And we were glued to the end of that game last night. And now the Dodgers advance. A great season for the Giants comes to an end. And the Giants had a great regular season. Hockey underway for all you Golden Knight fans, which I'm one of them. I'm a little bit concerned with Robin Leonard. He got peppered pretty bad in Los Angeles, got pulled from the game. L.A. treated like like that was game one of the Western Conference Finals. No big deal. We're not going to have these up-and-down raw emotions with every Golden Knights game. 
That was an interesting game to me. They got outplayed, and all the post game that I watched and listened to was everybody on the team saying that they didn't have the effort and they need to get that effort back. So that'll be something that we talk about next week as we keep rolling here. And another big story here, the trade today, the Eagles, this is interesting. As this happens, as the Eagles are coming to Vegas next, the Eagles traded three-time Pro Bowl tight end Zach Ertz to the Arizona Cardinals in exchange for cornerback Tay uh, Gowen and a 2022 fifth-round draft pick. Why would they do that? Well, the Eagles obviously won a draft pick. They need some help. They get a corner here. But Ertz gets a great opportunity here to go to a team that's undefeated. And this is a great move because Arizona is looking to make him the featured part of their offense. So that was kind of shocking. You don't see many regular season trades happen. You don't see many trades go down regular season like that. The Cardinals haven't yet entered into a contract negotiation with him. He wanted a new deal with the Eagles, so you would assume he's going to get a new deal with Arizona. Ertz goes from the Eagles 2-4 and four to the only undefeated team in the NFL at Arizona at 5-0. and oh. That's the type of trade as a player you always dream of. If you're ever going to leave a city that you love and a franchise that you love for another opportunity, that's the type of opportunity that you want. So check us out on the Silver and Black Show tomorrow. That'll be Saturday after the SEC games at 4 o'clock. Hit that on your DVR. It'll be Lincoln Kennedy and myself. My sit-down television interview that you heard here with Rich Passaccia. And we'll get you ready for the game. And excited to see you Sunday if you come out to the M Resort. Spawn Casino will be there for the pregame show. Eric Allen and myself. That's a lot of fun. Get on out to the M and say hello. After this week, we want to say hi to a lot of people. Drink some ice-cold Modelo. Uh, hang out in the Remy Martin Bar, and hopefully the Raiders get a win. JT, Raider Nation Radio, 920 a.m. Like, I have family members that have done things. I've done things that... I'm glad that I'm still loved, you know, and uh, I think more than anything, coach needs people to help him, to love him in whatever areas, you know, that we can, but at the same time, what's right is right and what's wrong is wrong. JT, thanks for coming back here on a short show, one hour, as I am sitting in hosting the Silver and Black show today with Lincoln Kennedy, which you can catch on Saturdays and or Sundays, Saturday right after SEC football as we are thanking all of our partners this week. Thanks for listening. Remy Martin is taking Team Up for Excellence to a much higher level as they team up with Raider Nation Radio. Remember Sunday, Eric Allen and I will be at the Remy Martin Bar to start it off. I like to get breakfast there or lunch. That's inside the Raiders Tavern and Grill. In the back is that beautiful Remy Martin section. And we'll be out there for the pre- and post game as the Raiders are in Denver taking on the Broncos in what is a monumental game. I mean, it is a big, big game on so many fronts, and we talked about it this week. And as I told my podcast partner, Tom Looney, uh, last night after I finished my SiriusXM show, I did a podcast, JT and Looney is where you can find it. Go to jtandlooney.com or wherever you get your podcast. And he, like everybody, asked me how I'm holding up this week, and I'm holding up fine. It's just been a really rough week. I never imagined 25 years in radio, 23 seasons with the Raiders, like anything like this could happen. 
what happened to Coach Gruden and the issue with the emails and how this story broke. And we talked to Andrew Brandt and Mike Florio and had all these guests, all these calls on both shows. It was hard, very dramatic. Everybody on edge with every word that's being said. Everyone making sure that they don't make a mistake. They say the right thing. It comes from the heart. Don't go this far. Really tough. This is a very easy job. Like I said, I'm not putting out oil fires. Uh, I'm not doing a dramatic job hanging out on a light pole trying to restore power after a hurricane. Those are the real jobs. This is just sports radio. It's mostly very fun. It's X's and O's. It's talking about games. This week, I hope to never experience anything like this again. It was hard on families, families, friends, everybody in the Raider organization, the players, the media coverage, the members of the media who had to cover this story all week. There was no playbook for this. There was no playbook. You don't go to school for broadcasting in Syracuse or UCLA, take broadcasting and take this class. This is something that we're all working through and learning about. And now we're behind the new head coach of the Raiders. And we want Coach Passaccia to have a chance to be great. And from the interview that you heard to start off this hour to what I've uh, seen from him in the past and from talking to everybody around the organization, someone in the organization told me that he's a guy that could come up from the football side and come up to the sales side and talk to people. He's got friends in the building. Know know the name of your kids. Remember a trip that you both went on or a place that you've both been to that you can talk about. He's just a guy's guy. I I use the term a a bunch. He's a blue-collar guy, football coach, and now he's thrown into this whirlwind, and we all got to get behind him. So from the interview, the conversation we had, this is a road game. We'll be able to sit down with him next week for another TV radio interview and then get a chance to root him on at home against the Eagles. And the Eagles look pretty good. I mean, Tampa Bay did not cover that spread. Tampa Bay had a really tough time putting the Eagles away last night in that game. And Jalen Hurts can run and play. They, they struggled on offense. It's the same exact game plan that we're going to have with the Eagles that we have with Chicago. Identical. Justin Fields doesn't know the playbook well. He throws for about 100 yards. Jalen Hurts is pretty new. Not great with the pay, uh, playbook yet. Last night, Jalen Hurts completed 12 passes for 115 yards and a touchdown. Only 12 passes he completed. That's the next quarterback the Raiders are going to see at home. And I remind you, it reminds me of Justin Fields. He didn't come into Allegiant Stadium and go up and down the field, up and down the field like Josh Allen or Patrick Mahomes, and they beat the Raiders. So the next two quarterbacks are Teddy Bridgewater and Jalen Hurts. Derek Carr. Let's go. I know he can do it. I know he can outplay these guys. He's not competing one-on-one against Teddy Bridgewater and then Jalen Hurts. But you know what I'm saying. The Raiders have a quarterback who's much more accomplished than the next two, and the Raiders have to take advantage of that. So, again, uh, before I head out here for the Silver and Black Show, a couple of big things with Coach Passaccia. He's been coaching in the NFL for 20 years, mainly as a special teams coordinator. But as we talked about, he was an assistant head coach in Tampa Bay, San Diego, Dallas, Oakland, and now Las Vegas. And he's got a lot of experience up and down this coaching staff from his time in college and through the NFL, which is going to give him, I think, a very unique perspective of what it takes at each position 
and what to expect from his own staff if he ever was a head coach. All of that experience now gets thrown at him so he can coach this game as a head coach. And the first thing you hear when players or colleagues describe him is his ability to lead. He doesn't need to worry about calling plays now. He's got Greg Olson and Johnny Moe, Johnny Morton. Doesn't need to worry about the scheme on defense. Gus Bradley and all those great assistants. All he's got to do is focus on bringing the team together, putting the right people in the right positions to succeed. And it seems like that's what he was born to do. Let's see if he can do it. Because he's seen it up close in four different organizations, the process of being a head coach. And I think one of the advantages advantages Coach Passaccia has is the fact that he's been a special teams coach. He's worked with every position coach on the team so he could feel good about the overall temperament and mindset of the team. It makes it easier to address the whole team and understand how to deal with multiple situations because the most amount of players play on special teams, offense and defense, and they're in his meeting rooms and with them at practice. You know, I asked him about the weekly prep, and he kind of you know, gave me an answer that I expected here. I don't know how hard this is going to be. The former coach was in there all the time. I mean, he was the first guy there. The car was there. I think this is a coach who works just as hard as anybody else, but his structure is going to be a little bit different at practice, meetings, meeting with players, the media. You know, when he came in to sit down with us, he only had 10 minutes. And I said, Coach, so make yourself comfortable. And he said right to me before the cameras came on, I got 10 minutes, JT. I mean, this guy's on a tight schedule, much tighter than he was when he was special teams coach. And even though he didn't give me a lot on his coaching style because he's just not that guy. I, he doesn't know. He's, he's been around all these coaches. His style is going to be delegating and lifting people up and being a motivational guy who's going to trust everyone. That word trust has been said a bunch around here this organization all week long. And I love the coordinators now and the opportunity that we're going to see for Greg Olson more so than Gus Bradley. Gus is calling the defense. Gus is a former head coach who's really got to put a great defensive scheme together, and he'll do that. But what about Greg Olson? What is the big change we're going to see this week with the offense? Will there be a reverse? Will there be a flea flicker? Will there be a couple of early deep bombs Or is Greg Olson's offensive game plan going to be similar to when Coach Gruden did it, trying to establish the run? We don't know. We know the principles of what Greg Olson has done in the past. But I'm hoping that there's more of a wrinkle here. And they give us a little bit more, and a little bit more of an attacking style offense if they have the opportunity to do that at mile high. This is a tough game to do that because Denver's got such a great secondary as we talked about this week. This is the highest-paid secondary. They're very good. They're very cocky, aggressive, fundamentally strong. But the last couple of games, they haven't played that great. They've gotten beat on some big balls, and they've had some miscommunication. But finally, I want to talk about this coach, Coach Passaccia, and resiliency. This team has shown on multiple occasions this year their resiliency being down in games and coming back to win them. That bodes well with the adversity that the team faces this week, and it's comforting knowing the locker room is strong enough to endure when the times get tough. And that bodes well if the Raiders are going to have a shot at making the playoffs. This is a rivalry game from the Rob Lytle fumble to all the big games that were played over the years. Some of my fondest memories of this rivalry were in Oakland. In Oakland at the Coliseum, Bronco fans there, limited amounts, but there 
and Raider fans just loud on third down going crazy. Unbelievable tailgates and the Raiders winning some dramatic games. The Peyton Manning games when he came in with Denver, I remember that. I remember John Elway on the sidelines before the game and how big his presence was with either Al Davis or Mark Davis more recently on the sideline. And I love the fact that so many great players have played for the Broncos over the years. And they come back and there's such a deep connection with the Raiders. When Fred Bolitnikoff has his golf tournament over the years, there's been Broncos that have come back who go all the way back to Fred and Cliff and Villa Piano and all those guys. This rivalry dates back to the AFL. So big spot here, everybody. Get behind the coach. I want to thank everybody who was really strong this week, had big opinions, knew what we were talking about, knew how uncomfortable it was. You were uncomfortable at times. I was a bit uncomfortable. And, and we got through this week, which was important to me. You know, I want to make sure that this team and their fans have the best opportunity to know about the other team and the pulse of this team in this brand-new city. And this city's been through a lot with this team. There's been some staff changes, now a big coaching change. And these are fans who are seeing their first-ever Raider games. They've just been to three Raider home games, and this team's been in the news a lot, and there's a lot going on now, as we know from talking to Andrew Brandt and hearing the Mike Florio interview and everything that we're doing here. There's more to this story going forward, but we'll cover the story as news breaks, and we'll stay with what we're supposed to stay with, each game, each opponent, pregame, postgame, the opposing side, all the interviews, the alumni, the coach, and everything that we try to deliver here for you. want to thank all of our partners who have been with us this week and continue to grow with us, starting off with our good friends at Golden Entertainment. They own the Strat. And at the Strat, they have PTs, Wings, and Sports. It's open till 10 p.m. Sunday to Thursday, 11 o'clock Friday and Saturday night. Great spot for watching the Raiders and the Vegas Golden Knights. So you'll have a lot of fun there. Please go to Arizona Charlie's. They have the all-new PTs Express at both Decatur and Boulder locations featuring the signature PTs menu. Charles Woodson, bourbon whiskey. I've been texting with him. We've been talking about it, really proud about his brand. Uh, Charles was at the fight. He built his legend on the gridiron and has now taken the same dedication to his new craft, Spirit Lane, Woodson Bourbon Whiskey. Grab yours today. And whenever you go to a bar or go to a grocery store, ask for it. That's how you can help uh, Charles uh, get his brands and all these businesses here. So that's really important. Billshappen.com. So when you need extra cash, go to Billshappen.com. If your credit cards are maxed out, if you have bad credit, they'll take care of you. Proud partner of our show, Billshappen.com. Uh, Monday, this past Monday, was wild. I was at Doghouse Saloon. Best place to watch Monday Night Football is Doghouse Saloon inside Resorts World, the newest property on the Strip. Grimaldi's, October is still National Pizza Month. What better way to celebrate than with a famous New York-style co-fired brick oven pizza? Only from Grimaldi's, I get the Brooklyn Bridge pizza every time. It's hands down my favorite pizza in Vegas. Five Iron Golf. I'll be there Saturday afternoon with a couple of friends. We're going to get a stall. We're going to go into one of the simulators, and we're going to hit golf balls. Just say JT when you go in there, and they'll give you discounts on everything. Modelo, proud sponsor of the Raiders. The Jim Plunkett interview that we do every week. Drink responsibly and see us at the Modelo Bar over there at the beautiful Raiders Tavern and Grill 
and all of our other partners, including Sam and Ash, SamandAshLaw.com, because you deserve what's right. And more and more partners here, but I'm running out of time. Thanks to Bobby for putting this hour together with me. Silver and Black Show airing Saturday in the 4 o'clock hour. We'll preview Denver. Thanks to Coach Passaccia to host his first interview on TV and radio. Really excited about that, and we're wishing him well. Have a great weekend, everybody. We'll see you Sunday at M Resort Spa Casino, where Eric Allen and I will be hosting the pregame and the postgame show on Raider Nation Radio, 920 a.m.